Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I am Pastor Troy, along with Josh Humphreys. Yep, that's me. That's Josh. That's me. His trademark. That's not a, that's not, is that a nickname? Josh you are, Humphreys? Well, you, My Josh, name is Joshua. Joshua. Joshua yeah. Cole Humphreys. Oh, JC, yes. just like Jesus Christ. Yep. Wow. And like J. Cole the rapper. Okay. Whatever. The, uh, <laughs> so, anyway, we um, we are excited to have you with us as we are looking back on our reading. For, we're getting toward the end of the year, too. So we, we are, uh, the awkward part about when you're reading through the Bible is that you always wind up in Revelation at Christmas time, which is an, <laughs> a, a weird place to be in the Bible at Christmas time. But, that's a um, fun place to be. But I haven't found a reading plan that ends the year with Luke chapter 2, so... Um, well, so we'll write it for next year. I guess we I'm could kidding. just make it. I guess we just make it work that way. No. But uh, but we have we are in the book of Ezekiel, and it is timely that Ezekiel would be leading us into the book of Revelation, because uh, Ezekiel is, is a lot of end times prophecy in the book of Ezekiel. Ooh, uh, not, yeah. and then we move into Daniel, which even more end times prophecy mm-hmm. uh, in the book of Daniel. But Ezekiel, get, this is that awkward time in Ezekiel where it gets to a temple. A description oh, uh, that uh, I don't know if you I, I if you didn't have a question about the temple I'm mm-hmm. going to offer one and we'll, offer one and then. we'll deal one yeah <laughs> because it is uh, it's, it's it is a very uh, confusing picture it is yeah it in is. a long picture yes that. very detailed very and the question is I'll just give you a preview of coming attractions here Ooh, the question uh, is is why <gasps> why do we have that that's a really yeah. good question. So wow. anyway, so Psalm 130, uh, also we're looking at uh, the Psalms. These are some really good Psalms, actually. Just uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm into so Psalms today. I like those. And and Proverbs 29, uh, we're really going slow, like one verse in Proverbs <laughs> every day for, the, for our reading, if you are following along with us. Uh, and also, um, the good part is, the two two of my favorite epistles, mm-hmm. uh, James and First Peter. There, there's the 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 neat part about this part of the Bible is these letters are short, but packed oh my gosh, with yeah. so much. There's in every reading, mm-hmm. there's so much truth of and relevant and practical and 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 like wow, this is and like just, right to the point. You can just dig and dig and dig and dig yes. and dig and dig. Just one or two yes. verses would be enough, and oh the, and it's just like verse after verse mm-hmm. after verse of really yeah. uh, great instruction. Things that things that you read uh, that when you read, you are like, this is something that I need to remember uh-huh. all the time. Right, right. And how did I for how did I forget mm-hmm. this was even in the Bible? Yeah. But uh, oh I gosh, need yeah. I need to be reminded of this over and over and over again. Which well, is, that and they just expound upon like the character of Jesus so much, and then mm-hmm. you get to walk back in the Gospels and be like, oh, look, Jesus literally just did this. Like, yeah. or or just yeah, I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of cool things. Yeah, things the church need, things we all need to hear. Yeah. over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so some some solid stuff. We are going to pull some passages out and tell you what we found interesting, or well, that God spoke to us through uh, in these passages, and uh, and we will do that when we return. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. We are now taking a look at what we have read in our previous week of Bible reading. And uh, and I'm going to start us off with a, a passage from Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36. 
uh, it says uh, it, there's there's a lot that's going on here, but it's but it's talking about the restoration of God's people is one of actually chapter 36, chapter 37 are there's so much really in all of that that uh, that I could share because. Uh, it goes into the Valley of Dry Bones and how uh, and and just a, an incredible picture of resurrection uh, built into this, which is which is awesome. But but within within that, uh, he says um, in verse 28, he says, "You will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful. I, I will not bring famine on you. I will also make the fruit of the trees and the produce of the field plentiful, so that you will no longer experience reproach from among the nations on account of famine. Uh, you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good." And you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and detestable practices. It is not for your sake that I will act. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Let this be known to you. Be ashamed and humiliated because of your ways, house of Israel. This is what the Lord God says. On the day I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the ruins will be rebuilt uh, there's, this is, you know, this is the thing I love about the book of Ezekiel is that just when you are like, is he saying anything relevant to me? Because it's like, well, yeah. because he has so many, like this, I have this against Tyre. And so he goes on about everything bad that's going to happen to Tyre. And, right. and you're like, it's like, wow, Tyre is gone. Right. So it came true. But, uh, but it's like, this, it gets tedious to me when you <laughs> say about freedom, reading the Bible, but sometimes it's hard to read. Right about uh, when God is pronouncing judgment on people and then talking about everything he's going to do to these people. <laughs> and uh, and so you're like, ah, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, every, you, you did it. Right. Uh, but, um, but, then, but then within Ezekiel, mm-hmm. it's this incredible, this, this, this incredible passage about how I'm going to take out your heart of stone and, and replace yeah. it with the heart of flesh. And, and it's about regeneration right. and, and restoration and being rebuilt and so forth. Um, but this is what I put. When God blesses us, uh, we can be convicted of our sin as much as when he curses us. Sometimes God pours prosperity into our lives just for the purpose of showing how sinful we have been. And and we always think that God uses punishment to make us feel bad. But sometimes, sometimes when someone blesses us, it makes us feel the weight of our guilt yeah. because we don't feel worthy. Right. And, and, and the ultimate portrayal of that is Jesus himself dying for us uh, when we did not deserve uh, that kind of love. Uh, sometimes it is the loving presence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and bearing fruit that shows us how dreadful our lives have been before and causes us to hate who we have been apart from Christ. We should hate the old man. The flesh of the old man is hell-bent on destruction. We should passionately seek to distance ourselves from the old man and desire the old man to die. Um, the the new heart Christ has given me is where my hope lies. I I I hate the battle for heart and mind oh. that takes place in me and yeah. uh, and the and and body. Mm-hmm. It is that da- horrible that daily struggle of of that the enemy is going to come. And, and and hunger is such a you know fasting is such a, a incredible spiritual discipline because it it gets to the crux of how weak we are yeah and and when we um when we are 
and we are our society american culture the the just the the name fast food mm-hmm. reveals to us that we when we feel an urge mm-hmm. we want it fulfilled we want it we want it met right now and right. not we don't wait we don't want to we don't want to wait we don't want to have any type of lull we want it i'm hungry so now give me food right. and give it to me fast right. and if you don't give it to me fast you know and and there and the culture f- is feeding that mm-hmm. well it's not just a culture the enemy is feeding that yeah. he knows that we that it's like so i have this urge this sense uh, the demonic realm is saying give it to him and give it to him now right. and so it's like instantly and God is trying to teach us patience. Yeah. He's trying to teach us uh, discipline mm-hmm. and self-control, and and so right. these things are working against us. And so yeah. so you think of how the reason why this is so difficult for us is because we're giving into mm-hmm. the enemy yeah. over and over and over again. And when parents, uh, you know, when you're teaching your children, teaching them to wait is is so important yeah. because they do not need to get what it is they are wanting immediately. Well, yeah, I'm, so I'm reading a book right now. It's called How How God Changes Us, and it's by, I think, Dane Ortland, I think is his name. It's mm. a super sh- short book, but one of the things he's talking about was how um, when it comes to overcoming sin, Christians today want it like this, just right. fast as possible. And I see that in my life and just wanting it now and wanting it to just be done with because I'm sick of the sin or whatever it yeah. may be. And he was like, no give yourself grace and give yourself time. He was like, because that's necessary, but also you have to feel the weight of it. Like understand that this sin is not good. Don't just push it off. Like sit in that. And in that, in that brokenness, right. That's where, where God, he wants you to be there so he can come in and, and build you up. He wants you to see the need for his strength and that you are not strong enough on your own. And you have to, again, Mm -hmm. and we just, we, we want the shortcut. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we don't want to see ourselves as as broken. I I had a realization, uh, I think it was in August and I was like, wow, like I tell myself I'm broken, but I like, don't believe that. And I had this moment of like, Oh, but it's, it's okay to know that like, I legitimately am like a broken human being. And like, that's okay for me to say, because like, that's what Jesus is for. And yeah. and it's and it's like I am made new, but that my flesh, my my body is just we're sinful people. Yeah. And it's like it's I don't know, it was encouraging. Have you had a, a have you seen The Matrix? I know we oh I know we do movie culture references no, and it I've really throws I do it just to make Josh uncomfortable because he's not right. seeing anything. But anyway, I'm not telling you to see the Matrix. But anyway, within the Matrix you have a blue pill and a red pill and you take one pill and it takes you out of the Matrix and you oh. take the other one and you stay within it. And there's a guy who comes out mm-hmm. of the Matrix, but hates real life. Oh yeah, and wants to go back right, in. Right, 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 and, right. And so he wants his memory wiped. And it reminded me of a story when I was of a young man who was um, um, at a conference uh, years and years ago, a youth conference. And he was saying, "I just want God to take all desire away from me. Mm. I just just to zap me and wow. take all desire away." And I was like. You know, the fact that you have desire is because you, um, you're you made in the image of God. It's just that you've perverted those desires. You've, you've, you are, yeah. you have, right. uh, and, and that, and so now you have the struggle with it, mm-hmm. but to lose it is to make you not like God. Yeah. And right. A right. Ro- you're a right. robot. It's like, it's like we, we want freedom and we want to have a free thinking and so mm-hmm. forth, but the cost of being that 
is that then you have the ability to yeah. choose not to follow God. Well, and that's why Romans 7 is so, so like sad. Like when, when Paul is writing, he's like, I'm doing the things that I don't want to do, yeah. but I can't stop. Like it's like, and it's like, I hate that for all of us because we're yeah. all in that like, we're all stuck I'm in that, doing yeah. the things I don't want to be doing and I'm not doing the things that I do want to be doing. And it is just like a horrible like, Oh, like that's that spiritual yeah. warfare. And, it, and we're not yeah. saying that like be miserable and like, but like, it's just like, that is one of those things about the Christian life. You just don't even, it's just a daily fight with yeah. everything. It's supposed to draw us to the realization right, that, that I can. need mm-hmm. the Holy need spirit. I need yeah. God to save me from this. Yeah. Who will save me from this wretched mm-hmm. man that I am? Right, you know, right, and that, right, right, right. And that is, and that's where Jesus steps in. Mm-hmm. We don't invite Jesus in right. if we can do it ourselves. Right. It's like right. I, I don't need your help. It's like, but it's like it is like having to ask your dad for help though mm-hmm. when you don't want to ask your dad. Yeah. You, want, you want to prove to him how good you are or what right. you can do and accomplish this on your own. We all we have this independence within us. Yeah. And and yet we are designed to fail. Well, and that was one thing when I was I was journaling. I, I journal as I read through books, and one of the things I realized was I've been asking God to be on my team, and then because I use Romans eight as like if He's yeah. for me, then who can be against me? It's yeah. like, oh, but wait a minute, I need to be on His team instead right. of Him just like coming into mine and that like was in the fixing. sermon Sunday. Yeah, was it? Oh, yes, that's really awkward. I didn't yeah. remember that, but <laughs> but like that's the thing. It's like I have I have that flipped in my head. Yeah. I said um, you you referenced it earlier, so I know you heard it. So oh, I yeah. said we are not. He's not a part of our story. Oh, that's we are right. a part of his story. Yeah. Yes, and I had yeah. that flipped in my head, and yeah. like even using like Philippians four four thirteen, like with him all things are possible. It's like well, yeah, they're all possible for me, and it's like no, 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 because I was reading through Samuel yeah. as well, and it's like no, Saul when he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and the Lord did stuff through him, right. and it was like Saul wasn't anything important, and so right. I had this. I had this really elevated view of myself, like, well, I'm doing great things for the Lord, like, blah, blah, blah. Right. but it's like, no, 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 I am asking him to be on my team and yeah. I'm not submitting to his team. I, it's uh, just like, oh, I had a moment, this weird realization moment. It's been several years ago, but, uh, I was taking the GRE oh, yeah. and, uh, I was teaching school at the time and I had to take the GRE, uh, in order to get into graduate school. And, um, and I remember, I had planned, I was very busy working multiple jobs and so forth and had planned to study for it and prepare for it. And by the time it came around, it was like, yeah. I, I just can't do it. And, and I, uh, and so I sat there looking at this test and not knowing any of the answers, not knowing any of it. I just prayed. I said, God, I just need your help. Mm-hmm. I said, if you want me to do this work, you know, and to, and to have this, be able to teach, uh, I need your help in passing this test. I said, please, just supernaturally. I said, yeah. do you, so you know that I, you know, I, have, I just didn't have time to, right. to study. And so I just started going through and, you know, glancing at questions. Mm-hmm. But I'm more looking at designs on the, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, this many C's and I went more yeah, B's, right, right, you know, right, kind right, of thing right. when you do it and so forth. So anyway, I took it. And they called me afterward and they said, I said, did I pass or fail? I had a friend that worked in that department. He goes, uh, yeah, you passed. He said, you made the highest score what? in the history of the department. And I was like, well, I'm all that and much more. But, you know, but there, I could take no credit for it because you're right. sitting there thinking. Right. I had no, I, you know, I thought. And, I, and, then, and then this moment, right after that happened, I thought, what if that happens all the time? Mm-hmm. What if I'm really not smart? And it's always God right. doing this. And then this clicked. It was like, 
Yes. Right. <laughs> you, yeah. Yes, and now, now you're understanding uh-huh. it has never been yeah. you. You've right. always thought you right. were this person, but the reality is it's always mm-hmm. been me. Every time you've been successful, every time you've ever yeah. displayed talent or skill or whatever, that has always been me, not you. And I am the one who deserves glory for that. And it was, <laughs> yeah. it was a, a ball your eyes out it kind is. of moment because you're like, oh my goodness, I just now got it. I am nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, this has been God propping me up the right. whole time and me thinking I'm something, you know, right. because you get, because you get a blue ribbon at this and you're like, yeah. well, I must be pretty good. They gave mm-hmm. me a blue ribbon. Yeah. And then you realize, oh wait, that's not me. Right. That's him. That's really good. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and, 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 and but that's. Uh, you know, and so you see that pride in other people who think it's, but it's an illusion. It's like you right. are just, you are God. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was a great example oh, in the yeah, Bible. Yeah, yeah. He said, "Well, look at me! How mm-hmm. what, a, what a great king! Look how much I've conquered and right. so forth." And then he's eating grass in a field. Right. The night. <laughs> so right. it's like God says, "Oh, we'll do this for a little bit <laughs> until you figure it out." Right. So, uh, and that was my grass eating moment. So that's good. Uh, better to have a grass. No, I'm not gonna say that. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah <laughs> reflecting on previous conversations, mm-hmm. but the um, the uh, anyway we uh, that's me Josh what what did oh, you yeah. get? Um, I'm in the book of James I love the book of James I do a too lot. James helped me through my freshman year of college it was really awesome so um, James three five um, b through six says this but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. And a lot of the times when I am studying the Bible or just reading through it, I try to back my, like what I'm reading up with scripture so that I have that, mm-hmm. that overview picture of scripture. And it reminded me of um, Matthew 12:34, which says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is really, in my opinion, very important to understand um, what is hap- like what James is talking about here. And so um, there's two things I want to hit on here. Number one, the perfection of God. And then number two, the abundance of our hearts as humans. So number one, the perfection of God and the gentleness of Jesus, um, that God's tongue is perfect. Why? Because God, but because his heart is. Um, the human heart naturally is filled with um, wickedness and evil, but God is holy. He's set apart. He's unlike anything else. Um, and he's perfect. And so God cannot speak wickedness because his heart is perfect. His heart is not wicked at all. There's, I always say it because it, it's wrong with me. There's no skeletons in his closet. It's an eternal goodness of him. And so he's just as perfect. He cannot sin against me. He cannot sin against anything. Um, and his tongue does not corrupt anything. So that's, again, why we can trust the word of him. And when we see Jesus even interacting with people, we can see um, just his gentleness and his perfection of his heart and the words that they speak. So the number two, um, what is the abundance of your heart? Um, we, I think the thing that James is hitting on here is where, well, he's, he doesn't say this, but it's important to understand the Matthew 12 verse out of the abundance of our heart, our, our mouth speaks. And so my question is, what is the abundance of my heart in? What's the abundance of your heart in? Is it in unbelief? Is it in jealousy? Is it in gossip, hate, or pride? Because James tells us that our tongue can set a great forest fire, and our words are powerful. They contain wickedness, and that wickedness can cause so much in our life, but in the lives of others. Uh, it can cause dismay and unbelief and doubt and fear and anger and jealousy and so much more. But 
Now, the flip side of that, is your heart filled with Jesus? Is it filled with love and gentleness and mercy and grace and righteousness and faith? And it's here that we begin to see that Jesus's character um, changes us and the lives around us. Um, and as he changes our hearts um, through sanctification and his word, which is perfect because his heart is perfect. Um, so then the way that we speak, our tongues change. Um, and then the way we speak changes and the way we love people changes because our heart has been changed. And so um, the thing I asked my, myself um, this week was, am I getting to know Jesus? Am I reading the word of God? Um, and that's that's just my encouragement, too, is get to know mm-hmm. the, the God of the Bible. Study Jesus' character. Talk to him and fill your heart with him and let him fill your heart and make room. Move those things out of the way. Move those pride. Like, under, like dive into your heart and see what's in there, what's in the way. What am I not allowing Jesus to feel like? Because a lot of times we just cram him into yeah. an empty space that's it's filled over here between boxes of whatever. But throw that out, throw the wickedness out, and let him fill you. And don't and don't you try to fill him in there if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of that's my thing this week, and it mm. it was. That's, I mean, my wife Kim used to. Uh, throw that verse at me all the time when I would say something. Which one? James 3 or? I was going to say, which Kim? Oh. I, was like, the, <laughs> no, no, no. I only have one James wife. James 3 or Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, out of the events of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah, and, yeah. And, she, and she would say um, all the time, uh, I would say something, I'd like to say something and, mm. you know, a joke or whatever. Right. And uh, I'd say, I'm joking, I'm joking. She goes, well, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right. you know. And, and I would get so mad at her. Right. And, and part of the reason I was upset is because the more I would explore that, the more actually I realized that to be yeah. true. That oh, there yeah. is it's horrible that, to see that, that there yourself. is a you discover when the more people talk, the more you discover about what really is going on yeah. inside their heart. It mm-hmm. is it is you don't have to have a lie detector uh, hooked up to people right. uh, as they get comfortable because people put on this false front. Oh yeah, and they and they try to be very careful about the things that they're saying and yeah. choose words. But when they get comfortable. Yeah. And relaxed, and they just start talking about things. Then all of a sudden, uh, they betray themselves. Yeah. I also have found this to be true. Uh, you can't that God doesn't. Uh, I don't want to say God doesn't protect you, but but He allows you to do that. He yeah. allows you to say things uh, when your heart is in the wrong place, and it reveals things that. Well, you, you it know. sets a forest fire, and like, yeah. and you're like, oh. My words did that. And that's what James 5, specifically this area, is talking about is how dangerous our mouths are. And it's like, because they are, like uh, that dumb phrase, the sticks and stones may break my bones, that's a lie. Like that, because when you think about every problem, majority of the problems you've had in your life with anybody, it hasn't. It's about words yeah. and about even even within the reason people don't go to church anymore, the reason they're burned by the church or whatever. It's because of people's words. Right. And and you and the thing is, is that th- this is the part that goes back to what we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier is you will think in your mind, well, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to say the wrong thing. I'm going right. to say the right thing. But you don't have the capacity right. to right. say the right thing. Right. You, you are going to think you are mm-hmm. saying the right thing yeah. and it's going to be the wrong thing right. because the spirit in you, what's in your heart right. is if it's not if it's not if you're not pure in heart right. then that corruption mm-hmm. is going to come out and you can't keep it from coming right. out you're going to think it's right you're going to yeah. think it's good and you're going to say it believing 1000% you are saying exactly what you should be saying and that God is going to be honored by it right. and gonna, Jesus is going to be glorified 
But if your heart isn't with him and if it isn't spirit empowered, right. you're going to say the absolute worst thing. And Satan, right. because Satan has control. He's, he's right. got a foothold. Well, and that's why James talks about, I think it's in chapter two, but it could be in this chapter, but be quick to listen and yeah. slow to speak. Yeah. And uh, seriously, one of the, I think about this all the time is when Jesus was being put on trial, when he's being dragged through all this stuff and he was just silent. Right. And it, it's just like, yeah, a lot of the times we, we as believers, we as people just need to be silent but, and, and think yeah. what's necessary to say is what I'm about to say. Is it actually going to be okay? There's yeah. just some things we, we don't think yeah. we just speak. But when we're not walking in the Holy Spirit, we're like a drunk. Oh yeah. We, we get loose. Mm-hmm. Our tongues get loose and yeah. we start saying things and it's like, what did I just say? And it's yeah. like, yeah, cause your heart's in the wrong place right, right. And, and you're just, and you're, and you, and you see that person talking and, and other people in the room are going, oh my goodness, right. this is, this, they're, they're going to regret gonna this. This is not good. <laughs> right. They needed to stop talking, right. but they can't stop. They just keep going and right, going right, right. and so forth. They, and it is, if you've ever been around a person who is drunk, uh, that's exactly no what they have no capacity to stop. Right. And sin does that. Sin, yeah. sin causes us not to be sober of right. in mind. So good word. Good yeah, word, Josh. Convicting. Like it. it is just good. <laughs> yeah, I had something from First Peter um mm. and in First Peter chapter one. I I I was torn because there were so much so First many Peter good passages. So, good. so many good passages in, in James. But uh but I also wanted to look in uh but this passage in First Peter won out won the day. Uh it's in First Peter chapter one. And um, starts with verse 13. He says, therefore, it, it, really, that's funny how all these kind of go together, yeah. things we just were talking yeah. about. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober minded <laughs> and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. Mm. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb that is um that be holy for i am holy comment uh is uh is just a um it's a I, challenge. I, it is a challenge and 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 peter says that we are to uh what he says with your the i think it's the new king james or king james bible says gird up your loin the oh, loins yeah. of your mind mm-hmm. and and i love uh, I know, I understand when they do this, they they change the wording because nobody knows what that means. But uh, but in the Greek, it literally is talking about uh, a person who is pulling up their robe mm-hmm. and cinching it around their legs so that they can run. You know, they they wore robes a lot back then, and, and if you ever tried to run in a robe, uh, if you ever seen a choir uh, when church is on fire, uh, the, <laughs> it's an awkward event. Uh, but uh, the but you have the pulling of the robe and, and that gave them the ability to run. And so he's he's basically saying, get your mind, girding up your loins of your mind is getting your mind ready for action, getting your mind ready to run, uh, getting ready to do something, getting ready to take action and to fight. Because you also, it's awkward to, you don't have the leverage, you can't go back and forth and you can't, uh, you know, think in, think in terms of playing basketball or something like that. You That's why you, if you have awkward 
heavy pants on or whatever, right. you'll trip over yourself. So you're just getting when you're when you're getting ready to do something like that, you wear that which is appropriate right. for you to do what you're going right. to do. You are prepared for that. Um, and uh, we um, uh, we <laughs> we had a, a kid who stayed with us who. I remember he was saying that he want, that he could run a four-minute mile, which was just funny that he thought he could run a four-minute mile. But it was like, can you prove it? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, and he goes on a cowboy hat, jeans, and cowboy boots, uh, and he's gonna run a four-minute mile. It's like, oh, dude, the, I already know that I can pull this off because, he, but he wasn't ready. And what, the point is, is that what, what Peter is saying is, is we have to get our minds prepared to run this race of faith. Um, we wake up every day. And we are just not prepared for spiritual battle. And and you see, and I, I hate I hate it when I myself do this because I do this all the time. I, I go out just thinking that the day is just that I'm just going out into a day to do things and I forget that I have an enemy. Right. It's like it's like forgetting that you have a sniper outside your house. Yeah. And, and just waiting for you, mm. and you just walk out casually, willy-nilly. It's like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Let's go out. You don't do that in warfare. Mm. When you leave the protection of your home, uh, you are you are prepared. You're wearing this spiritual armor. You're you've got everything in place uh, that uh, you. Uh, it's it's the opposite of mental laziness, and and so often we are not. We're just we're we're just so tired and lethargic and so forth. And part of the reason is, I, and I and I get myself in this place where I I look at my life and I think, why am I? Why do I feel bad? Why do I feel depressed? Mm-hmm. Or why do I have this anxiety? Or why why do I think that you know? And you and you hear yourself saying things that don't seem characteristic of you. You start saying, oh, yeah. life is so. I hate my job, or I hate yeah. my relationships, or I hate I hate this situation, or oh, this is such a hard, miserable day. And if you'll stop for a second, say. Why am I thinking that? Mm-hmm. Why am I why am I in this frame of mind? Yeah. You can almost always go back to the fact that you are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. That you have conformed to former lust when you know better uh, than that. Uh, each if our mind is not under control, then our body will not be under control. So if you are not controlling oh, what you're good. thinking, and what you are allowing to come into your mind, if you don't have discipline there, then your body is going to do things that uh, are disobedient to the Holy Spirit. Um, the uh, And every individual must come under the mind of Christ and then work together with the rest of the body of Christ. One of the reasons why we fight with each other within the church is because mm-hmm. our minds are not subjected to them. I mean, think of how this works. Think of how, how the way it's supposed to work is that I am uh, submitting to the Holy Spirit and therefore being obedient to the Holy Spirit in my daily life. If I'm disobedient, then I quench that Holy Spirit. So when when I'm and if I'm not being submissive to the Holy Spirit, then you come along and you aren't being obedient to the right. If, if you were obedient to the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to recognize the Holy Spirit because right. I'm not in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But if you're not obedient to the Holy Spirit, then now the two of us each are. Now subjected, Satan can put whatever thoughts he wants into our minds, and I think I'm right, and you think you're right, and so forth. And the reality is, is when we think, why are we fighting? Right. Well, it's because neither of us is where we're supposed to be. Um, and if one of us is where we're supposed to be, you can recognize the enemy at work in the other person. Oh, yeah. And the word tells you, 
back off. Yeah. You know, Proverbs tells us it was a, a I think it was last week's Proverbs, but uh, but it was a proverb. We read this in the reading. It said, mm-hmm. you know, if you uh, if a if a wise man gets into a quarrel with a fool foolish man, uh, whether he laughs or he is angry. Uh, there's no peace, right? Uh, because you're not. There's no. Mm-hmm. You can't win that argument Mm-mm. because he's not where he's supposed to be. You're not. You can't reason with a person who's not being empowered and walking with the Holy Spirit of God. So if you're getting entangled in that, then you are not where mm-hmm. you need to be. Right. Uh, so the the only thing you can do, and and Peter tells us this. He tells wives this. He says if your husband is off on off the reservation and is not walking in the Spirit, then don't talk to him. You know, don't argue with him. Just be submissive because you and let him be. Let him see the power of Christ just through your holy living, you know, right. and, and and so forth. And um, and so you you see one, and this is and Satan is continually invoking this chaos in our lives each and every day. And, and that's why I said this is such a these are such great passages to go back to and say, oh my goodness. I feel this way because I'm not walking with Christ and and there's this chaos in my life and I'm thinking this chaos in my life because I'm not walking with Christ. I'm not in sync with the Lord. I'm not in the power of his Holy Spirit. I'm saying things I shouldn't be saying. I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. And as a result, this, you know, this is leading to this and this is leading to this. And all of a sudden you realize you're in a trap. He's trying to get you to a place where you're going to make a decision about quitting your job or about leaving your spouse or about abusing your children or about or about doing something that you wouldn't normally do. Right, right. But because you have not been walking with him and obeying him in the spirit and it started way back here mm-hmm. where you made this decision, I'm not going to take time to put on the spiritual armor of God today. Right. I'm not going to take time to be in prayer today. And, and now the enemy has you and has a foothold and he's wreaking havoc in your mm-hmm. life. And you will not know where it's coming from, right? Unless by God's grace, He makes you aware and says, yeah. "Ah, do you remember that? Remember I had right. you had this moment to get right with me, and you didn't take it, mm. and now here, look where we are." So, yeah, yeah. Well, again, crazy how the Spirit's working because mm. in Psalm 133, it's all about harmony. And so uh, I'm just gonna read it real quick. It says, "How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony." For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountain, the mountains of Zion, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, hmm. even life everlasting. And sometimes for me to understand the meaning of the Bible, I have to look at the opposite so that the alternative makes sense to me. And this is what I had to do, especially with poetry in the Psalms. And so Psalm 133 133 the main idea is this harmony this peace as we're reading it it is a very peaceful and just like this beautiful message um and so that in harmony there's blessing and it's a wonderful and pleasant thing but it's so easy to just skip over that and be like yeah that's so true and then just move on um so sometimes it's hard to look or we we need to look at the opposite the opposite of harmony is dissonance and so in music dissonance is what makes your like hair stand up on your arms or make chills run down um, your back in a bad way because it doesn't sound right. Um, the notes in the song um, are fighting for dominance in the piece that's happening. And it's the same way with humans um, and it being with at odds with each other. Um, it isn't a good, it isn't good and it's tiring and it's miserable um, to, to be in dissonance with someone, especially within the church. Um, and so look how hard right now it is in America for everyone to get along. Mm. Just not even in the church, but we, I mean, we can look at the church. Yeah, but Look at everything. Everything's a dissonance. Everyone's fighting for for dominance and all this stuff. And 
it's horrible. But this is where we, um, as the church, need to become the the city on the hill. We need to become the light yeah. of the world, um, because it's so exhausting with people. Um, and because I've been in that, and I I still fall into it when I'm just not in agreement or in harmony with someone. And it's just like every time you get in a room with them, or just if you're near them, or if someone brings their name up, it's just this misery that you're just sitting in. Um, but the thing is, we believers have harmony we have a message we have one message and this is this is the message it's in ephesians 4 3 through 6 and it says make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit binding yourselves together with peace for there is one body one spirit just have you been you have been called to one glorious hope for the future there is one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and living through all and we as believers we as the church not even just in america in general, all over the world, have to understand this oneness, this unity, this harmony that the gospel brings. And so that's what, I mean, this week I just realized, wow, like that's a huge problem um, within America specifically, um, is we're not united um, as 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 what our name is, the United States of America, but mm. specifically in the church, we're not united. We 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 are fighting over dumb things, uh, stuff that is creating dissonance and makes people not want to go to church at all. Right. Um, and we need to be in that harmony, the the one spirit, the one God, one baptism, all this oneness. And yet we're still so focused on things that don't matter. Uh, and just like Troy was saying in his in his last um little devotion thing of this diatribe yeah we we just don't know where it's coming from and people are so like well where is this i don't understand it's like well because you none of us are united right now we we don't have the message of the bible and so it goes back to what we were saying with the james passage read your bible love people right and understand who jesus is in the bible because if you're making someone up you're You've created a false yeah. Jesus. You've and diso- a false diso- God. disobedience creates dissension. And yeah. Diso- yeah, and it's horrible. Yeah. And so, but anyway, I don't want to get stuck on that dissonance because the Book of Psalms tells us how beautiful harmony is, and it, it's beautiful. And and there and there, the Lord has pronounced His blessing and even life everlasting. And that's right. where we need to be at. We need to have right. this understanding of the one hope, the one glory, which is Jesus Christ. And that is just so, it was so powerful this week for me and just calming and reminding me, hey, it's okay. There yeah. is there is harmony for, for those of us who follow the Lord. Right. And we just have to pursue that. Like you were saying, put on that armor every day. Yeah. And that has to be everyone. That's why faith is important. That's why reading our Bible is important. And that's why, um, well, one of my questions is about what is it? Why do we have to confess our sins to each other? Why do we have to encourage each other? But it's that. It's that we we have to be in unity and we have yeah. to love the Lord our God with when, everything. When you see yourself going, those people aren't loving. They mm-hmm. don't have a heart for God, and right. we need to burn them at the stake. Oh yeah. Then you don't have a heart right. for God. Exactly. <laughs> you he, don't have the Holy right, Spirit. Right. And it, because that's not God's heart toward us. Mm-mm. I mean, and so and we and we have to catch ourselves doing yeah. that. When you when you get this when you have this oh my goodness I wish they would listen to what God says. Mm-hmm. It's like then you're not listening to what right. God says. Because your your heart and mind are in the wrong place. Because that's not how he sees mm-hmm. us. He sees us as sheep, as children who are. Um, I mean, there people say, well, look at what he did with the Pharisees. It's like, but those were people who were had the heart of the devil. They were wicked, trying to destroy exactly. sheep. Yeah. 
And so when you see people doing that, when you see people trying to destroy sheep, but when people are just being difficult, uh, well, welcome to God's world. Right. <laughs> right. He, exactly. he sees us all as being difficult. And when we have his spirit, uh, part of us part of us has to ask, is part of the reason that they're being difficult because I have um, I am not being the loving person right. that I need to be. And so they're they're like a beaten animal. Right. You know, they've been abused so much by people and, and hurt so much by people. They have a hardness that's mm-hmm. been built up. So forth. And, and and part of breaking that down and, and the spirit of God is trying to draw us back in. So when we right. are with the spirit of God, then God is able to show those people love and grace through us mm-hmm. and uh, and a kind spirit. And, and it changes them. Yeah. Um, and and that and that's what you have yet to see. Right. I mean, always think in terms of are you are you seeing this person? After they have experienced the love of Christ mm-hmm. through you, right, and and so they you don't know how they're going to respond to the love of Christ until you give them the love right. of Christ, and that's hard. Yeah, it's it is well, really yeah, it's hard. hard. It's really hard because we're all in the same boat. Some of us need the love of Christ ourselves. But that's again why Ephesians four is important. It's the same Spirit living inside mm-hmm. all of us. So yeah. if they yeah. don't respond in a way that is like Christ, well, then they're either not with the Spirit. Or they're not in line with him. So right. they're either not a Christian or they just need prayer and they need help and they That's need right. encouragement. And you don't and fix you it. find out what your job is. You don't fix them. it by taking Jesus away from them. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you have to and give the, them more of Christ. And the fact that people yeah. do that. It's that's hard. And yeah. then we take it into our own our own hands and then our tongues burn like wildfire yeah. in their lives and everyone's lives around yeah. us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I remember. I remember uh, watching Experiencing God video or whatever back when it was on VHS tapes and so forth, going <laughs> way back. Uh, but Henry Blackaby was dealing with some questions. Of experiencing God's a Bible study has been around for a long time mm-hmm. called Knowing and Experiencing the Will of God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. Um, and anyway, one of the pastors was like, what do we do if we know God's will, but we've got a group of people in the church who are hindering us from doing God's will? Right. You know, do we just simply get rid of them or try to work around them or try to, you know, whatever? And Henry Blackaby wept and he said, mm-hmm. you were talking about children, the sheep right. of the Lord. He said, we are not trying to, it is not the will of God right. to do something by getting rid of them. Right. It's, it's being able to passion to bring them alongside, yeah. to bring them into the will of God. Right. You know, it's like we're... To we're, help we're, them understand. Yeah, because God's will is for us to do it together. Well, and that's what Ephesians 4 is about. Like, yeah. there's a reason we have teachers and shepherds and evangelists yeah. is to help them grow into unity, yeah. into maturity. It's like, and yeah. that's important. Yes. We could, would it be easier just to kill some of the Absolutely sheep and move on? But, but that is not what the way God mm-hmm. does it. Obviously, it would have been God just to kill us and move on. Right. Well, and that's the importance of, of Philippians 2. Yeah. Grow in unity. And the reason that you're not is because you don't have the mind of Christ. And this is the mind of Christ. He yes. came to serve and not to be served. Yeah. And that's really important. Well, good word, Josh. And uh, wow, it's uh, we've had a lot of sharing time. We had a lot, all this stuff stored up inside <laughs> of us. But uh, when we come back, we're going to look at some questions that have come up as we have been reading God's word. So please come back. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast, where we have been looking at what uh, we've been reading the previous week as we're reading through the Bible together. Uh, and uh, as we read, uh, questions arise. And uh, there is a uh, first question we're going to tackle. Uh, Josh and I both have this question. Uh, it was um, about Ezekiel's temple. Yeah. What is it? Why is it so detailed? And 
why is it important that we understand what the temple is? Yeah, that that this is a this is a big question and Huge. one that we we don't have an answer to, but there are some theories. And and the, to give you some background, Ezekiel describes in his writing God r- takes him on this vision, and and uh, an angel shows him the dimensions and all these very detailed descriptions of the temple, uh, and uh, and and then how they are supposed to practice worship and so forth. Here's the complication. That temple that is described has never been constructed. Uh, And so some would say, while it is about a future temple that is going to be constructed on the Temple Mount, the problem is, is that uh, it also describes uh, performing sacrifices upon that temple. And we don't have a sacrificial system uh, within uh, the church. So... Uh, so it's so that creates a quandary, especially for Christians, mm-hmm. because um, we do not believe there will be a temple. So, so here are some of the here are some of the thought processes. One is that it is the temple that Zerubbabel was supposed to build, but didn't, uh, as an act of disobedience and of lack of faithfulness. That is, uh, so it was like God was saying, here is what I want you to do, and and gave this message to Ezekiel so that. Uh, he has a means by which to judge his people because they were not faithful in doing that which God had prescribed for them to do. So that's that is a theory. It is a, a, a actually a pretty popular theory. Uh, the second one is that it is a, a it is a it is a physical description of a spiritual temple, meaning the that it is a, a physical description of the fact that the the church is going to become uh, the temple. That our like when we say our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you're talking about a uh, when we go in, when we exist as the church, and and then ultimately uh, worship Christ forever, that uh, that He's using references, specific references, to show that God has this um, this plan. The problem with that is is that they are so detailed, and and that it looks that there's this incredible physical description. Um, another possibility, as we brought up, is that uh, in the millennial, when Jesus comes back and conquers and so forth, that be, that in the end times there will literally be another temple built. Um, uh, to me, that's the I, I know a lot of people ascribe to that, uh, so I'm not trying to discount that. It's just extremely problematic for me mm-hmm. uh, because it 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 brings in uh, one a whole course of history that doesn't really make sense right. from a because why would God be giving an Ezekiel? I, I think it would be wrong for that to happen, and why would God give Ezekiel a message about a temple that shouldn't be built? Because because here's how it would have to transpire: it would have to be that uh, Jewish people built a temple and began performing these sacrifices based on a system that is um, you'd be going backwards, right? Uh, right. And so they would either have to be doing it in disobedience to God or weirdly obedient to God to look back to Christ instead of forward. Um, so some lots of theologically difficult things. I don't, and, and so that's why, again, that's why we, we look at it and go, right. I don't really know why. Right. We, this, but we do, um, because some people are like, well, this prophecy has to be fulfilled in order for Ezekiel to be a true prophet. But, uh, but it could be that God was giving him, like I said, uh, what he wanted Zerubbabel to do, because he has done that before. Right. He said, if you do this, then I will be right. able to bless you and give you prosperity and so forth. But he didn't, and so there was not. Um, so uh, so it does uh, continue to remain a mystery. It is one of those things that we will have to ask Jesus when we mm-hmm. see him. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, um, this comes from James 5 again, and I kind of mentioned it a second ago when I was talking about 
my little devotional point, but um, James five sixteen talks about how we need to confess um, our sins to one another. But why is that important? Because a lot of the times we don't trust people, and so mm-hmm. why would we want to tell them our deepest, darkest secrets about our lives and our shameful things? But, right. Yeah. So why is it important? Um, well, let me look at the passage uh, just to read it specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, five sixteen. Five sixteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. Uh, it says therefore. Well, he says the prayer of the faith, a prayer of faith, will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, mm-hmm. confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. It's given within the context of a person who is, um, is sick, and so if, the way I draw this out is that he's saying that should you be suffering illness or whatever, uh, it it could be that what you are going through is related to. Um, something you're doing wrong, a bad behavior. I, I'm just trying to, I don't want to oversimplify it. Think of it like uh, you have a drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And so you're really sick as a result of the drug addiction. For me to go to you and say, man, I'm really, really feeling bad, really feeling, you know, whatever. And there's really, uh, that's one of the components of of, of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, is that I have to admit that I have this issue. Right. I have to come clean and say, I have, I am an addict. I have this problem. That's a step on the road to healing. And that's what James is saying here is imperative that we confess, yes, I am the reason why I'm not who I need to be. The reason why my life is falling apart is because I have this sin issue in my life. And so, so he's saying by coming clean with that, now you're on a road to healing. And I mean, that's literally what he's talking right. about. I don't, he's not saying that there should be a practice within the church where we all open book, just share everything that's going on in our lives and so forth with everybody, every thought that I have. I, I do think there it also lends itself to being submissive to one another, mm-hmm. to being accountable to one another, having those trust relationships where you are accountable to one another and, and helping. I think part of the path to healing from any form of sin is having other people who you can right. go to and share within the body of Christ about what is going on and, and seek their help in overcoming. You know, it only, it, it's, it's not only is it biblical, it just makes practical sense that if I'm struggling with alcohol, that I find other people who have struggled with alcohol or at least know what the word says about alcohol. I think this is part of the reason why I believe so strongly in biblical counseling. It's going to one another and saying, there needs to be within the church our ability to go to people and say, I'm really having trouble with this. I'm really mm-hmm. struggling with this area of sin and having them speak the word of God into right. my life to to bring me to the path of recovery. That's good. Yeah. So this last question is not really related to anything we read um, this week, but you mentioned it in your sermon. We were going through, for those of you who haven't heard it, we were going through the genealogy in Matthew um, right at the beginning. And we were, Troy was talking about it. He was speaking of there were, there were pagan people. Well, they used to be pagan, but now they're, you know, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Um, but it, it made me ask the question of what, what was a pagan in the Bible? Mm-hmm. And is it still what we would consider to be paganism today? Which in my mind is like, we, like, um, we worship the earth and that kind of stuff. So right. is there a difference? Is there a biblical definition of pagan? Um, what, what is pagan? Well, pagan is not really a Bible word. Um, it's a Roman word, um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a Latin word, paganus, uh, that uh, refers to villager or people from um, rustic people, uh, farmers, and so forth. And and the the idea behind it is that you had uh, when you had um, 
people when when Christianity became the government, uh, when Const- Constantine was converted and, and it became the religion of the empire, mm-hmm. um, there were people who still ascribed to the old ways. And and so these were people usually outlying villages and yeah, so true. forth, still using witchcraft and so forth, and, and the druids and so forth, and the things about Halloween and, and those right. things we talk about. All those things have their little, you know, the old wives' tales kind of things. Uh, those those were considered pagan or, mm-hmm. th- if you think of it like people out in these outliers, right. uh, things that they practiced. So that was paganism took on the meaning of people who do not follow traditional Christianity, Islam, or Judaism. Gotcha. Um, and where it, where it was translated, when we're translating the Bible, so we have this word that we use to describe people who are heathen, basically. But when you're, when you're looking back and, and finding Old Testament references, New Testament references of people, basically, who are not, who follow other, relig- other religions besides Christianity. It's kind of like when we use the word Gentile. Mm, and uh, and it's like a blanket statement yeah. where we don't use the word gentile in our common language anymore. Right. So it's really just uh, really it was they were and they would use the word Greeks. They mm-hmm. would say you have the Greeks. Well, obviously that doesn't make sense today right. because the Greek people are. But but you had everybody else but us. Right. And so we just have these blanket words or whatever that just to mean they are not people who practice traditional or what we biblical Christianity. Mm. So. And and in this case, paganism would be. It's kind of like when we try to define a cult. Yeah. Um, a cult is right. something outside the major religions. Right. Um, and so forth. So it's not necessarily everybody who's not a follower of Jesus Christ, because we would also say people who follow Islam are not followers of Jesus Christ. Right. People who are right. Jewish are not followers of Jesus Christ, or to people who follow Judea, strict Judaism and don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, are not followers of Jesus Christ, obviously. So the, but uh, and so it's a, a generic term. But um, but yeah, that's that's where it comes from. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That was all right. Well, good. Good deal. All right. Well, that's it. That's all we got today. I will be back again. We're really getting close to the end of reading through the Bible. So I hope that if you haven't been reading through the Bible with us, you'll jump in and uh, and just get into the reading plan and finish out the year with us. You can start reading the Bible now, but we're getting close to that point where everybody gets like a reboot, where we can all start reading together again. So be already getting in the habit of establishing some Bible reading time in your day. And then when we get to January 1, you can jump in with us and we'll all be reading the Bible together. But anyway, we'll see you next time. <laughs>